I will work day in and day out, wake up and smell the coffee. The independence case is a powerful one. Another future is possible, but we've got to fight for it. Order! Hello and welcome to the Debated Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Will. And in this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Jacob Jefferson, who is the Conservatives, one of the Conservative uh, Party's candidates for Bushy North in the upcoming May local elections. Welcome to the podcast, Jacob. Hiya, very pleased to be on. It's great to have you on, um, Jacob. And the first question I'd like to ask is, what made you decide to, to put yourself forward as a Conservative Party candidate at these upcoming local elections? Um, so, I mean, I've, I've, I've lived in Bushy, where I'm standing for my whole life, um, and I've been involved in the Conservative Party for, for some four or five years, you know, university especially getting involved, um, and I'm now, you know, I've moved back home in, in August, having done, been at uh, university work for four years, uh, I guess it was just good timing, wanting to sort of re-engage with politics, uh, back in Hogsmeade. Uh, which I hadn't really done when I was at university. I know I, I had a bit before university, but you know you, you're not back enough for while you're at university to really engage. I did a bit when it was online in COVID, but mm-hmm. and when it went back again, I kind of uh, couldn't really go to meetings again. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to get involved again, and you know, lucky that they had their all-out elections uh, this May, mm-hmm. um, and. You know, just wants to get involved. Um, I think it's so us people who are sort of involved in politics and, and like politics. I think we just like to feel like we're doing something and getting involved. Um, I think that was that was a sort of a key motivation. Like, I like politics and um, I now actually want to do something. And it's actually cool. To, it's cool to be a candidate and see your name on on leaflets and calling cards and um, and actually also you know be able to stand in. I mean, I'm not standing in the exact ward I live in, but I'm standing in the ward that's about a three-minute drive from where I live. So it's basically basically where I where I live. Um, I think that's quite cool. Um, I feel like increasingly seeing more, you know, at least at parliamentary level, more MPs standing in seats that they actually live in or are from. Um, you know, more of a focus on localism in in politics in general. Um, so that's just interesting. I don't necessarily know if that's a good thing because then you feel like some MPs turn into caseworkers more than legislators. Um, <laughs> but I think it's still it's still cool to be able to stand in in the area. You know, I've lived in the same house for twenty for twenty three years of my life, or all twenty three years of my life, um, and it's cool to it's cool to stand where you're from and actually be able to. I guess I spent four years of Warwick knocking on doors of people who. Yeah. Uh, I guess I didn't understand in the same way that I'd understand someone who lives where I live here um, and, you know, I actually understand a lot of their issues. So that's, um, that's a bit more interesting. It's a diff- different type of politics. And again, it's also just weird to introduce yourself on the doorstep as the candidate rather than usually I'm here on behalf of this, this person, that person. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's slightly weird because you, you really are there selling yourself. And it's a good experience as well. Um, yeah, of course. In selling yourself. Yeah. Um. In in terms of what you you, you bring up Warwick there, and of course, um, you've um worked on the, the stu- with the student union as part of the student union at Warwick. Do you think that that's given you um a certain amount of experience in how an organisation like a student union, like a council, works? And do you think that that's something that you could potentially 
ring to the council that kind of experience if you do get elected yeah i think there's probably it's weird that there are lots of similarities but i guess that makes sense that sort of student politics does actually replicate real politics because a lot of the people in real politics started out in student politics as well um so yeah i think i think a lot of it's you know working with different groups and stakeholders that's something i really learned about at, at working for the students union how important that is for big organizations to um you know in terms of consultations in terms of um making sure that there's consensus towards big decisions that kind of thing um and really being able to bring people together um and that's definitely something that um and you know as a councillor um especially hopefully it's the the party still in control of the council um that you have to be to, to really be able to lead lead big groups of people diverse range of groups and people um and you know the university of warwick is full of committees um their whole organization is run through committee structure um you know the massive a massive tree of you know the top and three off that one and then each one has another three or four of those uh same with the students union to some extent but definitely in the university of warwick and obviously local councils are, are also just run on on lots and lots of committees um you know death by committee sometimes um so yeah there's a lot of similarities um and you know, i think that's definitely one of the selling points i guess for me that i have already been i guess an elected office holder um and to be honest um i trying to think i got 16 about 1600 votes in my student union election and that's definitely more votes than i'll be getting in my local election not not because i'm saying i definitely won't win but i mean the lib dems won in this ward in 2019 and they got 800 votes um so i'd you know there's no way even if i win there's no way i'll be getting 1600 votes in in here so um it's kind of funny mm -hmm. yeah absolutely um in terms of the kind of priorities you think that local residents have, what are the issues that you think are going to be key to this election? And what are the sorts of things that you feel that you want to prioritise going into the campaign? The main thing that I think, well, in, in Bushy, at least, and across Hartsbury, Greenbelt stuff, um, in my personal opinions are more you know, I, I obviously, I'd rather we didn't build, build on the green belt, but kind of have to because there's a power crisis and everyone has to take its fair share of housing. But it's a it's a massive issue. Um, it's it, you know, it's it's the issue that gets any, anyone who owns a house in an area which has a lot of green space, and that's Hotsmere does. Um, it's an issue that gets people very wild up. Um, you know, the the planning committees here are usually really uh, well attended um, in Hotsmere. And people are very, very passionate. There's, there's a, there was an application on the development just a couple of roads over from where I am now, for about three hundred homes, which, which had a massive turnout at the planning committee to, to oppose, and it, it did get turned down. Um, and I think people, people probably looking, you know, who's actually the best defender of the greenbelt. But I think unfortunately, um, all politicians aren't particularly transparent really about the planning process. They're not, you know. All councils have to have local plans because it's the law to have a local plan. If you don't have a local plan, then you know developers can just win everything on an appeal. Um, so I think people campaigners are sometimes a bit disingenuous to um, you know to voters and say we can stop all this building on the green belt. It's like, well, 
Um, you might be able to, but you do actually have to have a local plan first. And then everyone's the local plan and that it might have building here or there and everyone freaks out and the local plan never happens. Um, but I think the wider thing is obviously cost of living. Um, so, you know, council's trying to keep council tax low. Hearts Minute um, has, you know, only risen council tax by a couple of percent. Um, they, their share of council tax by a couple of percent when obviously inflation is at 10%. That's, that's really important. I'm really glad we've done that. Um, but yeah, trying to, trying to support, um, you know, those, those in need of a council level. Um, so I, th- I, th- I think that is the, the two main things, um, the turnout in local elections are always notoriously low, you know, that's, I mean, even, even in the most engaged areas, they're less than 50% and in lots of areas, they'll be 20 to 30%. Um, and it's a shame, um, because a lot of the people who probably actually need the council support more probably aren't voting in local elections because you know they're sort of more time poor to actually to pay attention to local elections and it's different to a general election because the general election is tv and the news every day local elections um you only really see through a letterbox um you know with, with leaflets and and you know maybe sometimes with social media in sort of like facebook groups that kind of thing but yeah. not a, it's not a big thing the way general elections are um so the people who actually need who actually would benefit from council support um, and lots of things probably probably don't engage with it as much and that's obviously a challenge to to those of us who, who campaign how much of a role do you think that the record of the conservative group on the council will play into the campaign do, do you think that it's something that you'll be able to use as a, a means of um getting voters who might have voted lib dem last time in the ward to switch to you and to support you um i think i think this year especially is going to be a case where it's going to be very hard to to really push the the local authority success because mm-hmm. you know the, the national government are not polling very well you know they're polling in the sort of uh mid to mid to high 20s mm-hmm. um and i think a lot of the the core support might see this as a you know a protest not necessarily a protest but they might just sit at home um, even if they find like the council, I think our our thing in Hartsmere, um is trying to make people realise that you may not like the government, Conservative government, but if if so, we have we have twenty eight, twenty seven seats of the thirty nine on the council. So you know, if we were to lose eight, eight nine seats, we'd lose uh, you know majority on the council. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I'd like to think that people will realise that and are there, but they're actually doing the national government aside it's actually you know we don't want uh it would be you know, a lib dem labor coalition um in hartsmith because it's not going to be particularly particularly effective so i'm not going to say that uh the the line the uh the coalition of chaos line i'm not going to go, <laughs> go down that one uh i don't to us i don't know the lib dems locally well enough um they've only got three councillors at the moment uh but see they who knows they could they could gain more but um i hope i have not um so I, th- I think it will be difficult, and I think we'll see that across loads of councils. There are loads of conservative-controlled councils, um, especially in the southeast, um, who you know may have been really successful, uh, but are going to really shock and tell them to the majorities just because um, you know people will see it as a, as a chance to send a message to the government. Um, I think the government's had good headlines in the last day uh, with with the Brexit deal and. You know, hopefully it's good timing. They can start to get a few more headlines, and those polls can creep up a bit. I don't think they'll go up massively, but mm. even if you said obviously helps in some areas. Um, 
I think when, a weird thing with these local elections is most of them will be from four years ago. Mm-hmm. The last time they went up, if they're all other elections, mm-hmm. uh, which is a, a lot in the southeast are the conservative-controlled ones, and the Conservative Party was obviously pretty unpopular in May 2019 because that's when Theresa uh, <laughs> May left. Um, so you know, actually, weirdly, we're polling higher, you know, because then we were on sort of the high teens, low twenties, polling higher than we did then. Obviously, the difference is that Labour on about double what they were polling um, in uh, in May 2019, um, and even the Lib Dems are probably polling lower than they did in May 2019 mm. at the moment. But they they probably actually have as as, as good a day, um, if not better than they did. Um, so it's a sort of an interesting interesting dynamic there. Um, I think one factor is the fact that the Brexit party were polling on about 25%. They didn't actually yeah. stand at local elections, which is partly why you didn't see that impact happen as much. Um, but yeah, I guess the, the short answer is it's going to be, it's going to be really difficult to, mm. to, to get people to not think of national politics. Um, and that's, yeah, that's, that's a big challenge. I think Conservative Council, they've just got to, you know, shout as much as they can about keeping council tax low. Um, and you know all of their achievements over the last four years. Just trying that. Just try and really hit, hit those messages home. Um, but it will be really difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Do, do you think that part of perhaps the way that people are reacting to the Conservative government is in part due to in the past year the change in leadership of the Conservative Party from Boris Johnson to Liz Truss to now um, Rishi Sunak? And how do you think? In the long term, because of course there's a general election that's going to be coming in the next couple of years or so. In the long term, how do you think you, as a Conservative Party, can repair some of that um, maybe shaken confidence that people who supported the party previously um, felt? Do Do you think that there is any way before the next election that the Conservatives can make those voters who have currently drifted away from them return to them and is that is that a matter of personality is it the personality of the leadership or policy or, or a mixture of both i think with all the different wings that the conservative party now has and the different you know same people who think they're because they were ministers for for a month jobs mm-hmm. <laughs> for a month or, or whatever yeah um, i think it's so hard for for rishi um I wish he'd do. I wish he really would take a bit, few more risks with policy and actually try to do something a bit more radical. But um, I guess anything that's a bit more radical, people will have memories of of, of Liz Truss trying to be quite radical. Um, and it, in my opinion, I, I I wanted her to be radical, but clearly it didn't it didn't go the way it did. Uh, it didn't go the way we wanted it to. Um, so I think it's so difficult for him to really take any risks because there's so many different, you know. Too, you've got too many MPs, really, who, who, who all things. Um, it's, it's such a tough coalition. Um, I mean, the fact that Tony Blair, with you know, four hundred plus MPs, managed to you know mostly hold that coalition together for, for ten years or so was incredible, really. Oh, well, yes, and I guess at least, um, you know, Boris was clearly incapable of doing it. Um, you know, having was it Beaconsfield and Bolsover, you know, and tried. Trying to fit all those those together was was always very difficult. Um, I think the fact that the SNP might be on the down uh, is also not very good for the Conservatives because mm. you know it's one of those weird things that you know an SNP having lots of seats in Scotland was one of the 
the reasons why the Conservatives had a good good majority. And it's sort of yeah, one of those weird things that although we wanted to kill off, you know, the S and well, mm. kill off independence movement, the SNP, the Conservatives didn't actually have a majority. You still need to, to keep it at a, mm. a certain level. Um, if, you, if you're being cynical about these things, we'd, I, I'd much rather um, a Labour government in in the in the United Kingdom than a Conservative government in a in a in one where the United Kingdom isn't together. Mm. Um, yeah. Depending on what the Labour government did. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. If I had to go one way, I would. Um, yeah. So I think I think really it's what Keir Starmer does. If Keir Starmer makes mistakes, I think that's the only way the Conservative Party can actually get back. I think I think people will want to wish he over over time, and I think. The fact that he's sort of keeping a steady ship, mm. sort of, um, will mean you know he'll gradually build a bit more support back, uh, but it may get him to you know the low thirties, mid thirties in the polls. There's no way he's going to be hitting forty plus. So actually, I think it's completely down to Keir Starmer. Huh. He gets a bit wrong, um, and although you know obviously I disagree with 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 all the things that he's said and done mm-hmm. in the public, it's quite clear that that. that um, he hasn't yet, and I think people, a lot of people, aren't really inspired by him. I don't think. I don't think his for the country is is it something that people are looking at and thinking, yes, we absolutely need that. But I think he looks more of a safe pair of hands than the Conservatives because of all the ter- turmoil that we've had in a time where people really needed support from government with cost of living crisis. Um, so, yeah, unless he has another. Um, or is it the the curry thing in Durham? That if something happens, yeah, exactly. and then it goes goes the wrong way to him. I, I he you know he managed to get out of that one very smoothly, and no one really seemed to care or remember it. Um, and I don't think he's the type of person who has a lot of skeletons in his, his closet. To be honest, I think if he did, they would have been found already, mm-hmm. unless they're being saved for you know a week before election day. But I, <laughs> I don't think they are. Um, so unless he makes a massive mistake, I think. It's going to be really difficult, um, and I, it's saddening to hear that. It's sort of saddening for me to say that, you know, mm. a year half out from an election or a year out from a general election. Um, but I think we've, um, you know, people voted. A lot of people lent us their votes, but mm. because of Brexit and not liking Corbyn, but a lot of people voted conservative in good faith, thinking we were, mm. um, you know, going to have four years of a good government. And obviously, there's been so many hurdles thrown at it with COVID and the. Or in Ukraine, which has made it really, really difficult, and any government has struggled. Yeah. Um, you know, we've not treated the the public with with, with respect, and nothing. They think we've you know taken it for a jolly a lot of the time. To be honest, mm-hmm. um, in hindsight, I probably would have wanted us to keep on to Boris because uh, um, at least some people liked him, and and uh, he may have found a way to bring it back. Um, I mean, obviously, he didn't in the end, but I but I, I would have. I'd rather, you know, I'd rather go back to July twenty twenty two now and just hold on to Boris, um, rather than go through the, you know, this terrible sort of eight nine months that we that we've been on since, where, um, you know, people do not really like the Conservative Party anymore. Um, and even, you know, even if you ask the, you know, the twenty five to thirty percent of the people at the moment, the policies say they're going to vote Conservative, um, I'd be, you know, I'd assume that. The majority of those people, you know, are voting Conservative because they want to keep Labour out rather than because mm-hmm. they think the Conservatives are going to do much for them. And that's that's that, that's a real shame to say that, but um, I think we I get we're not really we don't really look in tune and 
with with what the country needs. And I think Rishi is doing a decent job mm-hmm. um, in very difficult circumstances. Um, unfortunately, he's not the best person to to look like he understands what you know the average person is going through. Yeah. Uh, but that's no fault with his own, right? But uh, it, it, it's probably quite a hurdle for him. Um, and I do think he's doing a decent job. Um, and I think it's going to be too much for him to, to turn this around. And, and he, I said, unless there's a massive, massive Labour own goal, but I don't think that, I think, I think Labour are too well organised now to, to you know, avoid that. Mm-hmm. Looking um, past um, whatever the future might be, focusing on the polls and presuming that there is um, a, a Labour government after the next election, where do you think the Conservatives need to go to get people who have, as we've mentioned, fallen out of love with the party at the moment. Where, What direction does the party, the Conservative Party, need to go in to get those people back, do you think? Is it, again, a case of radical policies, a, a, a radical offer? Do, do you think that the Conservatives need to be more radical in the future, going into opposition and an attempt to, to win people back? I think in opposition, I think you have you have to be a bit more radical. It, it kind of depends what the government is, right? If the yeah. Labour government is quite radical, then you respond by being a bit more pragmatic. If the Labour government's very samey, and I think on economic policy, they'll be very samey. Um, on and even on constitutional, social things, I'm sure there'll be some reform, but it's probably the type of reform that the Conservative Party would have been at in 15 years anyway. If you because know, yeah. Um, you know, there's a sort of joke that conservatism today is, you know, what what leftism was about 15 years ago. But um, on some of those issues, um, but I think they do probably need to be a bit more radical. Um, I, I wish that we'd not necessarily that it's my view, but for the sense of the conservatives, I wish we'd um, lead more into realignment. Um, you know, more into red. Um, and you know my politics are more to the right economically, but I think we probably should have gone more left economically and a bit more right socially and constitutionally. Um, and I think Boris was just a mismatch and you know too much in the middle of all those things to that managed to annoy everyone. Um, so I think for the success of the for the success of the Conservative Party, they should have leaned more into realignment. That's not necessarily my views. I would agree with some of those. Things that would come out of that realignment, then other things I wouldn't, I wouldn't um, especially someone who you know, prefers small, smaller government economically. Um, I think you know, a massive thing is we can't have any of the, the, the same face. If it were, if, you know, if we were in opposition, we need fresh faces. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously, a weird thing is if there's some massive landslide, um, you could be left with a very weird bunch of, you know, 100, 150 Tory MPs. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, there could be some really, really talented people. People expect to be future ministers who, are, you know, lost their seats. You need to be left with, um, you know, a weird group of people, basically just people who are in, in safe seats, and so that would define it a lot. Um, I mean, I, I'm a massive fan of, of Kemi Badenoch. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I supported. Uh, I know I was fit to be leader in the summer when she when she stood um, before we got down to the final two, um, and I think she'd be she'd be really great as someone who's young, mm-hmm. uh, has an international outlook on the world. Obviously, she wasn't she wasn't born in this country. Um, but I think understands conservative voters um, and actually 
understands that you know you Boris is very good at talking about being you know conservative and that kind of stuff it wasn't wasn't really that I think she she is at her heart um and she knows how to um I think she knows how to talk about the right issues I don't think she's the you know the, the finished article or anything but I think she she's a really really exciting prospect for me um and you know being leader of opposition is very very difficult no one knows who you are um right uh you know Starmer, Starmer really had to build up you know over a couple of years who here he was and um it's difficult to you know when you're so used to being in government as by then we would have been for 14 years um it's a really really difficult task um so you know I wouldn't necessarily say she'll then be by most of the next election and I thought, but I, I think it needs to be younger people I think the old girl there how they go um you know needs to be um you know I say the old people Rishi's only 42 but it feels like are the old like, young with, with, with all those people uh, which is which is weird um but um yeah I think I think unfortunately leaning into all the red wall realignments probably gone now I don't think we could go back to that um so I think I think we probably need to try and refocus on more of the you know traditional conservative seats um and try and get those those back with you know more I think in my view sort of more economic liberalism um I guess some of the policies that this trust was was uh pushing forward but in a way it's a bit more coherent um you know in terms of um you know more house building um you know more you know more work incentives for younger people um trying to take you know the burden off of younger people um in the economy which is obviously you know with our aging population that um it's kind of skewed towards younger people paying paying for all that um it's very difficult to get around but i but i kind of think that's that's the type of conservatism that um i think um well was appeal to, to new groups um and i think the other thing is um to actually sort out immigration um because the conservative party have been promising to reduce immigration and got elected on reducing immigration for um you know for, for four general elections um never done it um and that's annoyed a lot of people and that's probably one of the reasons why reform are on you know five to seven percent in the polls and that's something that, that you know i think people forget that's you know imagine if we got all that back because services already be 30 30 plus points in the polls um and you know i think a lot of people will, will look down on that kind of thing and say you know those people already both to conservative but i think that's actually that should be a message that conservatives are actually going to fulfill the things they they've said they're going to do um and i don't think because you know that's something that labor we I mean, labor talk very tough on it but i don't think they'll they'll, they'll sort that in government um so it'd be nice if we actually could follow through on, on some of these promises these big promises that we've actually made to our call vote absolutely um, well, we're coming towards the end of the podcast, Jacob. It's been great to have you on, great to speak to you. Uh, but I have one final question for you. Now, I know, apart from being a conservative, that you're uh, a great supporter of Arsenal, and Arsenal have, um, again, coming up tomorrow, against Everton. So my final question to you is this. If you had to pick one member of the Cabinet to replace one member of the Arsenal squad before the game tomorrow... Who would you pick? So, which Arsenal players do I want in the cabinet as well? I've got to think of that. Yeah, one. yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a, a full job swap. Ghost. Um, 
who's I got to think of something someone who's actually um quite athletic. Um well Rishi Rishi actually likes football, doesn't he? He's yeah. handsome for that. Um and I reckon he's probably got a bit of pace as a as a as a winger. Um so I'll I'll swap him in with um sort of in with Saka, not because I think Saka should be on the pitch, but I think Saka is a very compassionate uh, person and he's very respectful, I think. And, um, and I think uh, that's that'd be a good person to have in Canada. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you once again uh, for coming on the podcast, Jacob. If people want to find out more about you uh, and about your campaign, where should they go to, to find out more? Um, well, I mean, I've got a Twitter account, but Twitter's not really localized right so most of my campaign stuff's on on sort of facebook and local facebook groups um in bushy so unless there's people in bushy they probably won't see them <laughs> um, but i'm not quite stuck on my sort of actual post personal facebook but um i think yeah most of my time just going to be knocking on doors and leafleting rather than um you know doing posts to people who who don't live in the area so you know <laughs> that's more for my npr rather than actually having the election so i'll try and do more of the helping the election bit Absolutely. Well, thank you once again for coming on the podcast. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you've enjoyed it, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Podbeam and Amazon Music. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Debated Podcast, like us on Facebook, Debated Podcast, and if you'd like to get in touch with us, whether about appearing on an episode of the podcast or commenting on an episode that you've listened to, you can do so at the Debated Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. I hope you listen to the next one.